Hello, everybody, and welcome. The Travel Addict is back, a.k.a. Malcolm Teasdale. You know, when you travel somewhere and you go overseas, typically you will not have a language issue because most countries today speak English at least to a degree. And so it shouldn't be a problem. Maybe it was 20, 30 years ago, but usually schooling in some of these countries now, they learn English, it's mandatory. There should never be a problem, however, when people travel from the United States over to Great Britain or when people travel from Great Britain over to the United States. You think, well, there shouldn't be a problem, but sometimes there is. Things get lost in translation. I know that. I wrote about it, actually, many years ago in a book called The Travel Diaries of Atypical Businessmen. And there was a chapter in there called The Challenges of Languages, Accents, and Dialects, Cultures, and a Combination of None of the Above. Yes, it's a title that sounds very contradictory, which is confusing in itself, but that's the whole purpose of it. Yes, I've, as I said, been living half my life in America. I have become bilingual. Yes, I speak English and I speak American. I could push it a bit more and say, I also speak Australian, South African, and Canadian. That's a bit much better. We'll focus on English from Great Britain and English from the United States. There is this author called Robert Aikman who wrote a book called The Wine Dark Sea. It was he who said, you speak English beautifully, which means you can't be English. Think about that. Let's talk about British first. As you know, England makes up Great Britain with Scotland and the country of Wales. Now, there's various slang words from British people, and I've obviously uh, been called a few in my life. You've heard of Limey, you've heard of Bloke. There's Pommy, Brit, Tommy, and Tam. Limey, for example, was uh, the raw native's practice uh, to the beginning of the 19th century by adding lemon or lime juice to the sailor's daily ration of watered-down rum, also known as grog. They drank this in order to prevent scurvy. Okay, So they used to store limes on the, on the ships, and that's where the word came from. It used to be docked up in the New England states there, and the locals found out, and they called them limers. Pommy, used by Australians, called the British Pommy standing for prisoners of Mother England because Australia was set up as a penal colony at one time for bad guys, so to speak. And the rest of them you probably heard of uh, before. Uh, the Tan uh, name was named after the Black and Tan forces supplied to Ireland during the time of independence uh, for Ireland. So that's slang for British. But certain things can get lost in translation. And that happened the first day on the job for me um, back in 1985. I was very fortunate. My company transferred me from South Wales, beautiful place, South Wales, Landogo, and transferred me to Boca Raton in Florida. That's company transfer. So I thought, okay, sounds good. So I went there, and the first day on the job, I walked into the office, met the people, but I had some paperwork to fill in. And it's for the human resources department. So I was completing the paperwork and I made a mistake. So I walked up to the secretary and I said, um, 
can I borrow a rubber from you? And she said, you're a bit forward, aren't you? And I could just notice the people peeking out behind their booth space, thinking, that's just the new guy. Anyway, it was two or three weeks later, I had to go on a field trip to San Antonio, Texas. And I make a, a sales presentation there, about 30 minutes. I made the sales presentation, it seemed to go all right. And I asked if there were any questions. And the gentleman put his hand up and said, could you repeat that, please? Yes, he wanted me to repeat my 30-minute presentation in the local lingo, so to speak. But this difference has been around for decades and decades. Even from World War II, this story about the American and the British guy on the front line of World War II. And the American soldier said to the British soldier, have you come here to die? And the British soldier said, no, I came here yesterday. Yep, there's always room for uh, miscommunication, isn't there? And we all know this phrase, I before E except after C. I before E except after C. So what about this phrase? When your foreign neighbour, Keith, receives eight counterfeit beige slaves from feisty caffeinated weightlifters, there are 11 words in that statement where E and I are adjacent to each other, but not one of them obeys the rule of I before E. Isn't that weird? Every word in that statement I just mentioned. So it's no surprise that there's going to be trouble uh, between uh, British coming to America and Americans going over to Britain. Let's talk about flights. Let's talk about things you may see or hear on arrival in the UK or the USA. And as you get off the plane, one of the first things you'll notice are these things. You're going to get your luggage. Well, in Britain, they call it baggage reclaim. In the United States, they call it baggage claim. Now, I would think reclaim is the correct one, but who am I to say that? Now, other things you may see at the UK airport, whether it's London Heathrow or London Gatwick, for example, you'll see signs for the underground. You'll see WC, under construction, tube and lift. Well, underground seems a bit strange. Underground is like a subway or the uh, railway station, underground. WC stands for water closet. Sometimes you see it here in the United States as well. Under construction, you will see because the airports are always under construction. Maybe a sign for a tube. And if you're not familiar with London, a tube is actually the train that uh, operates around London and its suburbs. Fantastic form of transportation. Most of it is underground. Trains run every few minutes. That is called the tube. Primarily because the train runs through uh, what looks like a tube. Then you'll see the word lift. And you'll be thinking, well, yeah, I need a ride somewhere. Maybe I can call Uber or get a taxi. Lift. Well, it doesn't mean that. Lift means elevator. Yes. So the Brits coming over to the United States, what will they see? Well, they'll see restrooms. And maybe they might think about this. Well, it's been a long flight. Could do with a rest. Maybe I'll go and take a nap in the restroom. There's a thing called an air train. 
Yeah, it seems a bit strange, doesn't it? Air train. Yeah, London has trains that run underground. The United States have trains that run above ground or in the air. And of course, there's ground transportation as well. Here's another sign you'll see at an airport. And this is uh, sort of funny. This is, and I saw this recently actually. The sign at Birmingham Airport actually. And the sign said, an arrow pointing straight on, it said, all gates straight on. An arrow pointing left, all tills, T-I-L-L. -L. Now, to a foreigner, or to an American, say, that sounds really strange. A till, all tills, A-L-L space T-I-L-L-S. Well, a till is a cash register. You'll see that um, you pay for anything you bought in a shop. That's what a till is. Interestingly enough. So other things you may see. Let's have a look at London Airport again. You'll see a sign for Yotel, Y-O-T-E-L. I haven't seen any in the United States. A Yotel, and I've stayed in one of these places myself. It's the smallest hotel room you'll ever stay in. It's crammed in. It's actually quite neat. There's enough room for a single bed, a place to put your suitcase down, and a shower. That's about it. It's like sleeping in a shoebox. You'll see sign for National Express. That's the bus service that runs around Great Britain and runs from Heathrow Airport. It's very good, actually. Then you might see a sign with a dog and trumpet, and you're thinking, what on earth is that? A dog and a trumpet? Dog playing a trumpet? No, it would be the name of a pun. That's all. Jamie Oliver's name could be there. I'm not sure the status of his restaurants now. The name Jamie Oliver may be present. But these two words are confusing to Americans. Disembark and alight. Disembark and alight. Disembark means getting off a plane. Alight means getting off a train or a bus. Okay? Those words are not used in the United States. However, for Brits coming to the United States, as far as restaurants, they may see chilies, fries, and dominoes, or Emerald Lagasse. But these two words, deplane and pre-board, Deplane is not a word in the Oxford English Dictionary, but it is in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. So if there's deplane, which means get off the plane, why isn't there debus, detrain, decar, detaxi? Just asking the question. And the term pre-board. George Carlin made fun of this. You know, the great comedian George Carlin. What does pre-board mean? Get on before you get on. Pre-board, you either board or you don't. Strange, isn't it? So let's, once we manage to get through the airports and we're in the foreign country, either in Britain or we're in the United States somewhere, there's some words that appear to be different. For example, a jumper. Well, a jumper in Britain, well, is a something you wear over a shirt, over t-shirt to keep you warm. A jumper in America would be a guy jumping off a high-rise building, for example. Or a jumper um, in the United States could be a sweater, for example. Different. Same word, different meaning here. Braces. Uh, quite a few Americans wear braces on their teeth. But braces in Britain are not the same. They're the things you wear over your shoulder to keep your trousers up. Yes. Commonly known in America as suspenders, I think. Like I said, I'm confused now. Here's another one. Let's talk about food here. 
biscuit. Yes, a biscuit is different. We could go to McDonald's or Burger King and have a biscuit for breakfast. When I first heard this, I thought, this seems like the wrong time of day to have, this, have something like this. But a biscuit is a scone in Britain, a scone. However, a biscuit in America is a cookie. All right, then be careful when you say that or what you ask for when you go to a store or restaurant said, kind of a biscuit, please. You never know what you're going to get. The word flannel. Flannel refers in America to a type of material you'd be wearing. A shirt, a flannel shirt, if you wish. But in Britain, a flannel is a washcloth. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> be careful what you ask for there. If you want to wash your face um, and you're a Brit, you want to wash your face, do not ask for a flannel in the United States. You'll get a shirt. Interestingly enough, here's a basic one. This is really strange. There is a cart that's used in grocery stores. Shopping cart, right? We all know what a shopping cart is. You just go around the store, fill it up with food and whatever. It's called a trolley in Britain. However, a trolley in the United States will be something that's actually going up or down hills in San Francisco. Yeah, completely different. Foods, national foods, here's a treat for you. So I don't know if anything's changed over the years, but some of the favorite foods in America, like a hamburger, hot dog, and pizza. Well, hamburger, uh, that name came from Hamburg, which is in Germany. It's actually a type of beef, Hamburg beef style from Germany. And it was found in the 19th century. The hot dog was named after Dachshund from Germany, so they're responsible for two of these words, and the pizza originated in Naples, which is southern Italy, interestingly enough. So those are sort of national foods of America, and I think mostly the Brits understand all of those. They're readily available in Britain. However, the other way, not so much. So national foods, I would say, or the favourite foods in Britain, especially on Sunday, I would say, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, from the north of England. And the Yorkshire pudding is made out of beef fat. It's like batter. And it's just great to have with roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, and two veggies on your plate, usually on a Sunday. Fish and chips. Yes, fish and chips, have it on a plate or in uh, some newspaper, greaseproof paper, inside newspaper. And you can walk down the street, go to a fish and chip shop, we call them chippers, and then you get some fish and chip. They're actually great. The fish and chip shop was founded by a Jewish immigrant. His name was Joseph Marlin, and he was a person who opened up the first shop in Britain. It was perfected um, by uh, a guy called Mr. Lee's in Northern England over the years, and they're quite commonplace. You go anywhere in in Britain now, uh, it's going to be a small village, you're going to find a fish and chip shop. Now, what has become one of the favourite foods in Britain is Indian curry. Yes, Indian curry. British like their hot and spicy food because typically British food tends to be a little lamb. And over the years, well, ever since I was growing up, Growing up, actually, there was always a sort of a large Asian population in Britain, especially 
in the city I was born in, Coventry, also in Bradford, Birmingham, some of the big cities. So Indian restaurants were commonplace. And they've only got so many people to go to these places, but there were a lot of restaurants. They all had to be good. And really, they are. There's a small village outside of Coventry. It's called Knoll, K-N-O-W-L-E. It has a small guest house. It has one pub, but it has three Indian restaurants. Quite strange. Anyway, um, Indian food is actually wonderful. And a famous Indian dish is called chicken tikka masala. Spicy chicken tikka masala. Well, it's classed as Indian, but it wasn't invented in India. It was actually invented in Glasgow, Scotland. Who knew? So what else have we got on the menu for British food? Well, there's bangers and mash. There's bubble and squeak, toad in the hole, shepherds and cottage pie, steak and kidney pie. Yeah, the Brits eat a lot of pies. Jam roly-poly, plowman's lunch, mushy peas, something called a fry-up. Fry-up is what people may have for breakfast in the morning, especially at the weekends. It's everything fried. Fried potatoes, fried bacon, fried sausages, fried bread even. Heart attack on a plate. And the most famous one, spotted dick. Yes, spotted dick sounds awful, but it's actually a sponge pudding with currants in it. Yeah. Now you may have heard of bangers and mash, which is sausage and mashed potato. Bubble and squeak are leftover vegetables seared or fried in a pan the day after. There could be sprouts, it could be cabbage, it could be peas, all put in a little frying pan and cooked. Toad in the hole is sausages in Yorkshire pudding, basically. So, isn't that weird? Those are the names of those dishes. A very popular pub food, uh, pub food as well, I may add. Now, there's also black pudding. You could have black pudding for breakfast. Black pudding is made out of congealed pig's blood. Kippers for breakfast, absolutely. Kippers for breakfast, which are smoked herrings. People love that. Some of the favorite British food, especially for breakfast, Heinz baked beans. I can get them here in America. I have that every weekend. And I put H brand, HP brand sauce on them to spice it up a bit. Haggis. Yeah, haggis. It's liver, heart, and lungs of a sheep, minced with mutton suet and oatmeal and onion. Invented in Scotland. Sounds utterly disgusting, and I've got to admit, I've never had it. Here's one for you. Welsh rabbit. Not rabbit, rabbit. It's cheese with mustard, with a bit of beer in it, preferably ale, some cayenne pepper, and sprinkle it with Worcester sauce. Good lunch food. Cullen skin is Scottish soup made of smoked haddock, potatoes, and onions. It's actually um, created in Cullen in Moray, Scotland. How about that? Who knew? Jelly eels. This is really a London dish. It's freshwater eels chopped and boiled. Add nutmeg and lemon juice and cold. Yeah, jelly eel sounds disgusting. Best have a few pints of beer before you uh, eat some of those, I think. Scotch egg is quite delicious. It's just a hard-boiled egg wrapped in sausage, meat, and breadcrumbs, and then deep fried. Not exactly health food, but much British food is not really healthy. And I've mentioned Yorkshire pudding, which is basically batter served with uh, roast beef gravy. Now, when I first came to the United States, um, I had to learn um, a lot about some of the foods here. 
and uh, Ritz was one of the first things I learned, Ritz. And uh, when I had breakfast one morning, she said, do you want hash browns or grits? And I said, could you explain both to me, please? Um, I'm not a great fan of grits, by the way. It's more of a southern thing, I think, that uh, I just can't handle that. Chitterlings. Yes, chitterlings is an American thing. And if you don't know, it's small intestines on a pig, boiled and stewed for hours, sometimes battered. Um, or they sometimes have them in the UK as well, but when I was bringing it up, I never heard of them. Biscuits and gravy. Now, based on my de definition of biscuit earlier, it's like having cookies with gravy on it. Sounds absolutely disgusting. But no, here it's a breakfast food, isn't it? I remember going to Hardy's and having biscuits and gravy at one time, quite regularly. Small dough pieces covered with sausage gravy, made from drippings of cooked pork sausage, white flour and milk, plus bits of sausage and bacon. And one of the things that confused me was I'd go to a restaurant and it could be a fast food joint, and the waiter may say, or the person working behind the counter said, do you want any pickles with that? Well, when I first was asked that question, I said, pickled what? And they didn't understand me. Well, pickles. Well, yeah, you can pickle a lot of stuff, but what is it? And it was confusing. And they showed me, I thought, oh, well, that's a gherkin then, is it? And they said, what, a gherkin? Yeah, things get lost in translation. And of course, the British are notorious for pickling stuff. If you go to a fish and chip shop, they might have pickled eggs on the menu, which are quite delicious, actually. Anyway, more American food I have to contend with, chicken fried steak. Uh, where the chicken is really cube steak, but it's actually yummy. Um, I don't really, I don't eat any of that because it's too much fried stuff. Then there's gumbo. It's a stew with meat or shellfish. And they put a thickener in there with bell peppers, onions, and celery. Not bad. It, um, it differs throughout the country, I found. So you can have gumbo in one area of the country. It's totally different from another. Rocky Mountain Oysters. Yeah, you've heard of it. Bull, pig, or sheep testicles. Usually fried after being peeled and coated in flour. Well, it sounds absolutely disgusting, but you can fry anything, and it's going to be all right. I spent much time in Asia, and they deep fry bugs over there, whether it be grasshoppers, cockroaches, or just some other creepy crawly thing. If you deep fry them, it'll be just fine. Just add some hot sauce, and it'll be just fine. What else have we got in America? Oh, the old corn dog, sausage coated in cornmeal. Nah, I only had one in my life, and I gave it a miss after that. And there's, of course, there is beef jerky, which is basically fat less dried beef, I guess, comes from uh, the word quecha, uh, dried salty meat, believe it or not. Interesting, aren't they? Anyway, we've learned a bit about the food and we've learned quite a bit uh, about some of the common words here. How about a joke? Yes. Now, the English and Scottish always tell jokes about each other. And so did the Welsh actually um, get involved. Um, this is joke, uh, what said about the English. What's the difference between England and a tea bag? And the answer is a tea bag stays longer in a cup. And to an American, that means absolutely no sense. What it refers to is England playing in the World Cup soccer. They don't stay long in the cup because they get knocked out. And that's what it refers to. And I remember. Um, 
playing golf in Scotland once. I was very fortunate to have a round of um, the old course in St. Andrews. And I was playing with a gentleman from Boston. Those two guys from Sweden and the Swedish guys had caddies. And I was the you know, sort of Englishman there. So they were taking the, the Mickey out of me, making the fun out of me, by the way, uh, about my golf swing and various things. And he went on and on and on. And the Scottish are, are fun. They have this sense of humor, which is second, second to none, actually. And after a while, and it came right out of the blue, one of the Swedish golfers said to the Scotsman, he said, what's the difference between a Scotchman and a coconut? And the Scotsman just threw his arms up in the air, didn't know. Well, the Swedish man said, you can get a drink out of a coconut. Just brilliant. I, I, lost, I lost it there for a minute. Spelling anomalies, there's a lot of them. And there's all these words sort of mean the same thing, but they're spelled differently. Humor, for example. Whatever, for whatever reason, the Americans have taken the U out of the word humor. And they put a letter Z, or as in British, Britain language, they call it Z. They put a Z in the word civilize instead of an S. A word fiver. They swapped the R and E round for whatever reason. Plowman. Yeah, the British make more of this than necessary. Plow, P-L-O-U-G-H, man. Yeah. But at least the Americans can sometimes simplify things. Plowman, P-L-O-W-M-A-N. Makes more sense. Just like the word donut. Yeah, in America it's called donut, D-O-N-U-T. Makes sense. Whereas donut in Britain is D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T. Traveller. I'm not sure what confusion happened here. The traveller has two L's in the British language, and in America, there is only one. But there's also difference in the word of aging, yogurt, terms, siphon. Check is another thing. Check. Yes. Different meanings. Go to an airport, and I first heard this, and the agent at the desk said, would you like to check your luggage? And I said, why? Well, you have to. I said, why? Because it's too big to take on board with you. I still didn't understand, but check luggage. I thought you meant check if you still have it with you or check it for something. Like, is it, is it someone steal it? I don't know. Anyway, it means handing it in at a, uh, a, a desk at the airport. A check in England is what you write money to. But it's C-H-E-Q-U-E, right? But check, also check luggage and writing a check, the same spelling, but two, two different, totally different meanings in America. Yeah, why, you may ask. Some more verbal anomalies. The letter, last letter of the alphabet. Americans call it Z, the British call it Z. For whatever reason. The word herb, herb, it is in Britain, herb. In America, no H, but there is an H there. You must see the skit by Eddie Izzard, the comedian, about the use of the word herb. And garage, for example. When I first used this in America, no one understood. It's garage in Britain, it's garage in America. And here's one, everyone knows this one aluminium and aluminum. Yes. You know, which is which there. 
and there's mobile and mobile. Better, better, leisure, leisure, neither, neither, semi or semi, which is the right one. Now you can go to the grocery store and you're going to see some anomalies there as well. Now you go to um, one of the large grocery stores in the United States, you'll see potato chips. Well, potato chips in British are crisps. In America, eggplant, well, that's aubergine in Britain. Zucchini is courgette. For example, there's just three for you. Now, you may live in an apartment here in the United States, but the same thing in Britain will be a flat. And if you're just checking into a hotel in either Britain or the United States for the first time, and the person behind the desk said, you're staying on the first floor, be careful where you go to. First floor in America is the ground floor in Britain. Flashlight, just something like the simplest flashlight. We need a flashlight, it's getting dark outside. Well, in Britain, it's a torch. Also, sidewalk equals pavement and underwear equals pants. Even the vehicles can't get away with this, this sort of mixed up language here. A truck in America is a lorry in Great Britain. Believe that? Just take a car, for example. The trunk, we know what a trunk is, is the boot, and the hood is the bonnet. That's easy. And the elevator is a lift, of course, we looked at that. And when we talk about a simple thing like a watch, when a hand on a clock goes backwards, it's called counterclockwise. In Britain, it's anti-clockwise. And this crib equals cot. Garbage or garbage in America equals rubbish. And when we say something like referring to just some old gentleman somewhere, not old, but some fictitious person who said, oh, Joe Blow said this. Well, the equivalent in Britain is Joe Bloggs. Yes, it does happen. Talk about people. A great guy. If you call someone a great guy in America, in Britain they call it a top bloke. Top bloke, yes. A crazy dude in America would be a daft bat in Britain. Go away. Just go away. In America, it would be bugger off in Britain. America, oh, darn it. In Britain, you may hear the term, oh, blooming egg. If someone's looking dapper, Know, like wearing a suit, you, you could say, yeah, you're looking dapper. Or in Britain, they might say, you don't look like a dog's dinner. Yes, don't look like a dog's dinner. Conversely, if you saw someone who looked rather unkempt, you might say, well, you're looking rather unkempt today. In Britain, they might say, you look like a dog's breakfast. A dog's breakfast, can you believe that? Mentally unstable could be classed as losing a plot in Britain. And if you're just having a chit-chat with someone in America, it would be called a chin-wag in, in Britain. Or you could say someone say to someone here, say, oh, go and take a look, go and take a look at something. Or in Britain it would be, have a butcher's, have a butcher's. Yes, that makes absolutely no sense at all. Anyway, that's enough of foreign languages right now, uh, which is really English and America. We've got a part of the part of this coming up. We're going to look at classic American sayings, and we're going to look at classic British sayings from different parts of the country. And we're going to explain that. So 
look out for this next podcast and you're sort of part of the way to becoming bilingual after today's session. You might need to replay this back a few times to get the, the uh, gist of it. Uh, but I'll be back with version two of this, which looks at the classic American and classic British saints. We'll get down and dirty. We'll define them because if you travel around Britain, you're going to hear some of these sayings. And I've traveled enough around the United States and I've had to ask the question, sorry, I just don't know what you mean. Anyway, with this part, thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. That's goodbye from the Travel Addict. Check me out on malcolmjteasdale.com. Mm-hmm.